0: So, we started this series as Chaldea to Canaan, and last time we kind of transitioned to crossing into Canaan. We spent six weeks journeying from Chaldea to Canaan, where we first saw how God had called Abram out of Ur of the Chaldees and into Canaan. And then we spent five weeks making application from the children of Israel coming out of Egypt to the edge of Canaan's land And we didn't dwell on that because I don't want to send the message that somehow I believe our church has been in the wilderness these last 40 years. So we just kind of hit some highlights that I thought were more applicable. Last time when we transitioned our attention to crossing into Canaan, we saw the need to be strong and of a good courage. And I want to reread the verses we read last time from Joshua chapter 1, and I want to read verses 1 through 9. In Joshua chapter 1, the Bible says, beginning in verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, That have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will So I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of of thy mouth. But thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. And so from last time, why be strong and of a good courage? Because Moses has died. There has now been a transition in leadership, and God does not want His people sidelined whenever someone passes away or there's some kind of a transition that takes place in our lives. Uh, Second, we need to be strong and of a good courage because there was a vision that God had for His people to fulfill. It was going to differ from what He had for Moses. Moses was to lead them uh, out of Egypt to the edge of Canaan's land, and Joshua was to take them into the land. Two different visions, but both from God. Third, why, were we to be, why are we to be strong and of a good courage? Because we need to lay hold and be steadfast upon the Word of God. It isn't Moses' law, but it's God's law. Amen. And fourth, we saw we need to be strong and courageous because there were battles that had to be fought. And we must understand that there will be enemies, and therefore there will be battles. But if we go forward... With God's Word, God's man, God's vision, then God will fight our battles for us. And this was the bottom line from last time. Changes will always take place around us. We get uncomfortable with change. But that's life. A lot of you have changed from how you looked when you graduated from high school. Stupid illustration, but I'm trying to lighten the mood. Amen. Changes take place, but God is always the same. And we just need to keep our eyes on God, be strong and of a good courage as we cross over 40 years. So tonight, as we look at this same set of verses, I want you to notice in verse 2, God says to Joshua, arise, go over this Jordan. Look what it says there, Moses, my servant is dead, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So get the picture of the children in, of Israel encamped on the east side of Jordan, looking westward across the river. They can see Canaan's land. They can see their inheritance where the great blessings of God lie. But what good does it do them just looking over at it? There's the blessings of God. I see them. What good does it do? I may be sitting in the living room, look over at the fridge and think of that sweet nectar of life, (laughs) sweet tea, and I may think how it's going to bless me. But unless I get up and go get the sweet tea, I don't enjoy it. Now, to be fair, my wife almost always gets me the sweet tea. I know what you're thinking. Because she lives in the kitchen. And that's why I got married. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Besides that, if I were to use that illustration, it doesn't fit what I'm talking about. So... Um, The children of Israel could not enjoy the blessings of God in the land by looking over at it. In order to enjoy the good of the land, they would have to arise and go get it. Is everybody with me? Arise and go get it. What's interesting to me is the blessings of God were prepared by God, and God was ready to distribute those blessings... But God wasn't just going to hand it to them. Now that's how we want God to be today. God, you're supposed to be my lucky rabbit's foot. And because I asked you, I ought to just receive. But God wasn't just going to hand it to them. They were going to have to get up and put some action. They were going to have to go. And I believe that principle begs the question tonight, are there blessings out there for us that God has prepared, that God is more than willing to give, but He's not just going to hand it to us. We're going to have to get up and go get it. I I wonder. But Joshua, you know, we're pretty comfortable over here. The river's high this time of year, and can't we just stay here? We've already seen that this is exactly what two and a half tribes decided to do, Reuben, Gad, and the half tribe of Manasseh. But God has not called us to remain comfortable. God has called us to arise and go. And here's the deal. We have to put action to our profession of faith. James talks at length about this. I'll read to you just a few verses there. In James chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, "'Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works.'" And then in verse 24, "'You see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only.'" And then in verse 26, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And we can say all we want that we want God's best and that we want this good land that God has prepared for us. But until we get up and put some motion to our desire to inherit God's best, then it's only going to remain a desire. We can't just look at a field and pray that there's a harvest. That's not faith. We have to put our hand to the plow, break up the ground, plant the seed, water the seed, and then pray the Lord of the harvest. You can look at a field and pray all you want that it will produce a harvest, but it's never going to happen until you get up and prepare the field. And so faith isn't just praying that it's going to happen, but faith is doing our part and then in turn trusting that God will do His. We can look at an empty seat in Sunday school And desire for it to be filled all we want. But until we go out, arise and go. Why should we expect it to be filled? We can look at empty seats in the sanctuary and desire for them to be filled all we want. But until we are willing to arise and go. Why would God even want to give us that blessing? We must go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that God's house may be filled. This is why when we sing the hymn, bring them in, I always add, go out. Bring them in. Go out and bring them in. Bring them forth in the fields from the fields of sin. Bring them in. Go out and bring them in. Bring the wandering ones to Jesus. You cannot bring them in unless you go out to get them. Our feet must move into action. We must arise and go. Don't just pray for that co-worker. Don't just pray for that friend. Don't just pray for that family member but get up and go do something about it. Arise and go. Go tell them. Give them the gospel. Keep witnessing as much as you can. Now, I want you to notice that at the outset of what God had called them to do, I don't want you to miss this, God said, arise, go, but did you see that there's an obstacle right away arise go over this Jordan we sometimes get this idea that it's not the will of God because we've hit an obstacle God said I want you to arise and go over this Jordan and so uh, on the outset of arising and going Immediately there was an obstacle. And what we like to say often is, well, God closed the door. There's always going to be obstacles. And we've got to stop misinterpreting obstacles as quote unquote closed doors. And we've got to understand that there are always going to be obstacles in the way. Listen now, the absence of obstacles does not mean it's the will of God. Neither do the presence of obstacles tell us that it isn't God's will. But man, that's how we operate so many times. Well, God didn't close the door, and so I, brought, I bought that $80,000. The absence of obstacles doesn't mean that it's automatically God's will. And God calls them to arise and go, and the first thing that they're going to get to is an impassable river. Everybody digging this? Joshua, are you sure you heard God Right? You know, I don't know if if God would have led Moses that way. You know, Joshua, if if we could just wait another few months, we could just about walk over this river. That's how much the Jordan would fluctuate. I like what one preacher said, and we'll probably get to this when we get to chapter 3, but God has not called us to build canoes. God has not called us to build bridges. We've been seeing this in our Sunday school series through Haggai, that just because there's resistance doesn't mean God doesn't want us to go forward. I wonder how often we hit an obstacle and decide we can't go further because this can't be the will of God. And as we go forward as a church, we can't stop at the first sign of an obstacle. There may be what we see as impassable obstacles from the outset. But if we are obeying God, then God will make a way over it. God told Joshua to take Israel over this Jordan. Lord, how are we going to do that? Let me just get a little bit ahead of myself here in our series. How are we going to do that? Well, you're going to have to have the Leafs bear the Ark of the Covenant, uh, the the Levites, uh, the priests, bear the Ark of the Covenant, and you're going to have to get right up to the edge of that obstacle before I'm even going to do anything about it. And it wasn't until their feet touched the brim of the water did the waters begin to stay. Now, I believe we need a new facility, but pastor, how are we going to get the resources? I don't know. It's an impassable obstacle. We currently only have just a little over $70,000 in our building fund That's not going to build a very big square foot church. We probably can't even get the driveway and water and electric out there. It's an obstacle that God must get us over. Aren't you glad God owns the cattle on a thousand hills? He's able. And aren't you glad that God said He would supply all our need? According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, he'll supply our needs. And I may be confusing wants for needs right now, but he will supply our needs. We are going to need to up our staff's pay. And I believe we're going to have to add some staff members down the road. That's an obstacle. Either we are not all tithing, or we have maxed out the amount of tithers we can fit in this church. I don't know which one's true. I know we're not a rich church. But God can get us over our financial obstacles. If you like that, you're going to love this, because this may be another reason for us to seriously consider two Sunday morning services. Some of you probably just look like the Sanford and Son dude. This is the big one. What does he always say? I love independent Baptists. They act like they don't even own a TV until you make a quote. And it's like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I see that. Hey, Amen. And I'd be curious to know if anybody in here sees the wisdom of that move. Not if you want to do it, but do you see the wisdom? Yes, we need a new facility. But in the meantime, we may need to utilize this one more fully. Now, I've got to be honest with you. There are times where I sense God is saying something to this effect. Why do you want me to bless you with a new facility when you're not even doing all you can do in the one that you have? Maybe we could go further in this facility. I'm amazed at how many people see reaching more people as a problem. Remember in chapter 2 of the book of Acts, 3,000 souls were added to the church that day. You know what I don't read the church doing? Uh, How are we supposed to know everybody? (laughs) (laughs) Now, look, I get all that. Please understand. I come from backwoods country churches. (laughs) I get it. But we don't find them doing that. And it's a good thing... They didn't have that attitude because in chapter 4, there would be 5,000 more souls added. (laughs) 8,000 in a short period of time, and I don't believe anybody was saying, how am I going to know so-and-so? The point I'm, I'm making is they saw the increase as the blessings of God. They didn't see it as a bad thing. And how dare we suggest that we don't want to grow or do, do more or that it's some kind of a problem if we don't know everybody. Amen. We already have our cliques in this church. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. That's life. You kind of hang out with people you like. There's a reason that Russ and Harry are always together. That's right. I don't know how Harry puts up with it, but... <laughs> I think Russ is giving me the move on. <laughs> There's not a problem with that. There, there, there tends to be people who like to hunt and fish talk about hunting fish. I was talking to somebody the other day, and I said, um, I said, I have nothing in common with Brother Long. Everybody thinks we're these bosom buddies. Uh, I said, he talks about cars, and I just go. <laughs> and Brother Long's slick. you got to be careful, because I remember there was a guy here before, and his carburetor, <laughs> No. He was having an issue with the car, <laughs> and Ken went out and said, well, it's probably your carburetor belt, and, and the guy said, yeah, it probably is, <laughs> and I said, uh, Ken, I'm not that stupid, <laughs> and um, if I told you the name, you'd know immediately who it is, and, but I just nod my head. It's the polite thing to do. And then I ask questions. What is a carburetor belt? (laughs) We need to go back to the days where dads would punish kids by saying, take this apart and put it back together in less than a certain amount of time. Here's the carburetor. Anyway. All I'm saying is, it's okay if you don't know everybody. I, um, I, I've i made this statement before. You think you know people now, but you really don't. You, you just really don't. I told the deacons Thursday night, I would rather not know them and see them in heaven than not know them and see them go to hell. Amen. Let me say that again, not for an amen, but just so you get it, because I said it kind of fast. I would much rather not know them and see them in heaven one day than not know them and see them go to hell. I mean, this thing's either got eternity in the balance or it doesn't. Now you need to agree with that kind of thinking. That we that we want to reach people. I'm simply saying there's more we can do in this building. But we still need to arise and go in the face of seemingly insurmountable obstacles. And it isn't something that I can just do on my own. Notice in verse 2 that it wasn't about Joshua only having the faith to arise and go over Jordan. But God said, Thou and all this people. There was to be a collective move forward of all the people. And I want you to know tonight, I'm not going to be bullheaded about anything. I'm not going to try to force my will. I'll be sensitive to hearts. Because God wants us to be unified. But, I want you to be in prayer for where we're at as a church because there does come a point where we must move forward whether everyone's on board or not. Remember God's plan for Israel was for all 12 tribes to go over and only nine and a half went. I've had to learn that it isn't about 100% being on board. If we wait for that, we may never go forward. Not to mention there's almost always a naysayer somewhere who will refuse to move. And we see in verses 3 and 4 that we need to put our feet into motion. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses from the wilderness of this Lebanon, even unto this great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. And what I see here is we need to be a moving people. (laughs) I remember I was talking to a preacher uh, 18 years ago, I think, and um, he said, they're just a bunch of old mossy backs. sloths, don't want to move. We're to be a moving people. We just can't sit idle and expect to receive and enjoy God's blessings. They had received their marching orders from God, and they would have to arise and go and conquer the land. Their feet would have to move. Their feet would have to tread. And God told them how far that would be. But we also have our marching orders from God tonight. We call it the Great Commission. One preacher said it's become the great omission in our churches. But we are still to go into all the world and preach Christ. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So how well are we doing at fulfilling these orders? Because we're to be more than conquerors in Christ. With God's calling comes God's enabling. God will provide where He guides. The will of God will not lead us where the grace of God will not keep us. If God brings us to it, then God will lead us through it. You can pick any of those things you want. But we need to be assured that if it is of God, then God is going to be in it all. And therefore, since God has called us to go forward in faith, then God will provide the means, the resources, the laborers, and the finances. Look at verse 5. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. We see here that God will give His protection and His presence in our endeavors, God says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee, and I will be with thee. I will not fail thee. I will not forsake thee. And I don't know how everything looks down the road, and I don't know what obstacles are out there yet in front of us, and I don't know what kind of battles we may face, but I know that when it is of God, He will be with us every step of the way. And I know according to verses 7 through 9, that is dependent upon our obedience to the word of God. Look what it says. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and have a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. So it's going to take complete obedience to the Word of God. Observe to do. Turn not from it. Then we'll prosper. Then God will give us good success. We must arise and go with God's Word in our hearts and upon our lips. We must retain the truth, and I want to tell you there are no shortcuts along the way. Now, I sense we're at a crossroad at our church. We may wonder about the way ahead, but there is, listen, we may wonder about the way ahead, but there is no way ahead unless we go ahead. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to be. Guess what? You'll never know unless you start taking the steps. Just because we don't see the way Our God knows the way. God will always give us the grace to go on for His glory. And God has a greater purpose for us. God has a plan for us to bring Him more glory. God is still able. And nothing is too hard for God. And This isn't the time in these last days in which we live just to say, well, this is all there's ever going to be because it's just going to wax worse and worse. But I say that's all the more reason to arise and go. That's all the more reason to put our hand to the plow, break up the fallow ground, broadcast the seed, water the field, and cry out to God for a harvest. We just need to be strong and of a good courage. Be obedient to God's word. And verse 9 tells us if we'll do this, we have no reason to be afraid nor dismayed. Are you ready to arise and go? I'm being as sensitive as I can to the heart of the congregation. But are you ready to arise and go? Let's keep going forward for God's glory. That rapid city may know there's a God in heaven. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us to arise and go. Trust you no matter what obstacles may come our way. Hide your word in our heart. Be strong and of a good courage. Just watch you do great and mighty things which we know not. Lord, would you do a work here that goes beyond what we currently see. You've been so good to us. But Lord, I just believe we're at a crossroad and that you want to do so much more if we would just yield ourselves, get up, and go. Lord, speak to your people tonight. I ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.